0: there's a tendency in the spiritual life to take the part of the gospel that we have sort of a natural aptitude for, or a part of the gospel which we particularly like, and then to argue that spiritual perfection consists in that aspect. And so the Greeks and the descendants of the Greeks, they always argued that wisdom was the height of spiritual perfection. Some who love corporal works of mercy would argue that serving the poor was the height of the spiritual life. Some who loved penance argued that prayer and fasting and vigils and mortifications was the height. Others with an aptitude to the intellectual pursuits said it is the study of God, it is knowledge of God, which is the perfection of the spiritual life. The sacred scripture and the tradition is very, very clear that it is, in fact, love of God, which is the essence of spiritual perfection. Everything else which we do, our fasts, our vigils, our corporal works of mercy, our prayer, our contemplation, our study should all be done in the service of loving God. And you will notice that our Lord, when he gives this commandment, says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul." And with all your mind, there's no limit, there's no moderation to this commandment. And so there should be no limits and, so mo- and no moderation to our love for God. The world has a hard time understanding this. They do not understand that, in fact, we can never go too far into our love for God. And the reason for this, first and foremost, is because God is infinitely good, is infinitely lovable, And secondly, we can never love God enough for what he has done for us, for his creation, for the forgiveness of our sins, for our redemption, for all the graces which he pours out upon us again and again. And so, in the spiritual life, our love for God should continuously grow even until the day we die. And the church fathers used to always say, that in the spiritual life you are either advancing or you are regressing, you never really stay the same. And so we have to make great efforts to continuously love God more and more every day of our lives. That should be our chief goal every day when we wake up, is to at the end of the day, love God a little bit more. I remember playing basketball for a guy who always told me that as a basketball player every day you should just get a little bit better. In the spiritual life, we should love a little bit more each day. And so we have to engage in those spiritual practices which increase our love for God. And there's really two things we have to do. We have to remove from our lives those things which hinder love for God, and then we have to cultivate in in our lives those things which promote and cause an augmentation and increase of the love for God. And so the things we have to remove first and foremost is sin. Love binds one to the object which is love, And so our love for God should bind us for God. And so we know then there is no place for sin because sin is a turning away from God. And mortal sin especially destroys within us the divine life. That is why John says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And whoever does not love remains in death. But any, even the slightest sin, is always a turning away from God. And so we have to remove sin. Venial sin is sort of a hindrance in the love for God in our life. On the contrary, any time we resist the temptation, the love for God increases in our hearts. We have done an act of love for God. We must also remove from our lives those things which we do not love on behalf of God, those things which we love in and of themselves, the false idols in our lives. We must cut them away because they are taking up space in our hearts, and our hearts should belong, as our Lord says, entirely to God. And then we must also accept from God the trials which he gives us. God, in order to purify our love, gives us certain crosses, and so we should embrace them with love and with patience because it is through those crosses which our love is purified. Everyone who's been married for a long time says that this is the case it is through trials that love is purified. Besides removing things which hinder our love for God, we have to do those things which cultivate love, and first and foremost that is receiving the sacraments. In every sacrament, you receive sanctifying grace, which includes the theological virtue of love. And so the love for God is increased, especially with the most blessed sacraments and receiving Holy Eucharist when you are bound to God. But We should make sure that we receive the Eucharist reverently and well. If you read the lives of the saints, you will notice that they receive communion with a degree of ferocity. There's an intensity to it. The saints wake up. And the first thing they think about is how glad they are that that day they will receive the Lord in Holy Communion. They're not like me who wakes up and wonders where his cup of coffee is. They think to themselves, no, God alone. And then after the saints receive communion, they always have an act of thanksgiving. They spend time in silent adoration. And in this way, every communion which they receive is fervent. And so every communion which they receive increases their love for God. And then we must also pray. More and more, I'm convinced that all prayer should be done in the presence of the Lord and the blessed sacrament. But it is when we pray, when we meditate upon the deeds which God did for his people, when we meditate upon the virtues of God, when we meditate upon the characteristics of God, we learn to love him more and more because we cannot love what we do not know. And so we must pray, we must reflect upon sacred scripture. And in this way, we lift our minds up to God and our hearts tend to follow. And so prayer, when it is done right, when it is fervent, when it is intense, is nothing else than a binding of the divine heart with our own human hearts. And then from this great commandment, as our Lord says, love of God should flow then, love of neighbor. We love our neighbor not for their own sake, but we love them in light of our love for God. And so the number one thing which we must desire for each and every human being upon this earth is that they are saved, that they attain the grace and the glory which God desires for them. Because ultimately, God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so everyone, even our enemies, we should desire that they repent, that they receive the grace of God, and they attain the glory which God desires for them, even if they are called to a higher state of glory than we ourselves. So this is why we do not affirm people in sin, because that would be wishing an evil upon them. Instead, through encouragement, through exhortation, through fasting and prayer and penancing, and through the martyrs even shedding their blood, we pray that they may be converted and they themselves may turn back to the living God. And in this way, we love God above all things. We love our neighbor in light of God. And as Paul says, if we have great faith... If we have learning, if we have prophecy and other miracles, but we do not have love, we are nothing. Because the full flourishing and the full perfection of the spiritual life is the perfection of that great virtue, the love of God.